Hi, my name is Karen, and welcome to today's episode of NPs Injecting the Tea. So today is a special episode, and not only because I have my dear friend, April Giardi. April, say hello. Hi. (laughs) So April is a um, friend that I have known for a very long time, and um, correct me if I'm wrong, she has a background in human services and a minor in uh, psych. And she is well-versed and well-rounded in her background because she also has a military background. Right, April? Yep, I do. Yeah, so she, I met her actually in the military when I used to work as an emergency room nurse um, at one of the facilities in upstate New York. So April has an exuberant amount of training where she worked as an emergency um, room medical assistant. She did a lot of uh, training when it came to national response, uh, emergency management, fire marshals. Um, She worked with a lot of um, suicide intervention skills. She was a chaplain. She did um, communications, fire dispatch, um, April. So welcome April to my show. And um, introduce yourself, please. <laughs> okay, so hi, um, my name is April Gardy, and yeah, you, you summed up a lot of uh, a lot of good stuff that I've been involved with. Um, I've been involved with the emergency services in one way or another since about 1997, 98. Um, I was a volunteer firefighter for my hometown in Richfield Springs, upstate New York. Uh, drove ambulance. I went into the um, Army National Guard as a military police officer um, in 1998. Um, I did, oh gosh, like about six years or so uh, as an MP where uh, we were mobilized to respond to Ground Zero for 9-11. Um, I spent about two weeks down there working at Ground Zero. Um, then after that, um, on and off again after duty. Um, working the gates and working the roads at Fort Drum um, from about 2002 to 2004. And after that, I decided to reclass as a chaplain's assistant um, when I moved to Fort Hood, Texas. And again, did some active duty time down there as a brigade level NCOIC, uh, working for garrison uh, training, UNTs or unit ministry teams to go over to Iraq, debriefing them when they came back from Iraq, doing um, life skill trainings and classes to help improve uh, quality of life for our soldiers and families, responding to crises. Um, and then in between there, I worked as a 911 dispatcher uh, for Bell County, uh, which was the first consolidated 911 dispatch center in the country in which we took all of the 911 calls uh, for Bell County. We did all the fire, EMS, dispatching, police dispatching from that center. Uh, Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed that. And then I took some time off, took about six years off to be a stay-at-home mom, had some babies um, in Alaska. I came back to New York, went down to Fort Benning, and came back to New York again where I took a job in the emergency room. as a uh, medical support assistant. Okay. You sound like you were a very, very busy person. <laughs> yeah, busy. Yeah, I like busy. I thrive in chaos. 
Wow. Wow. And your kids, I'm assuming, are older. Uh, yes, I have a 13-year-old, 12-year-old, and an 8-year-old. Okay. So, like, today I decided to do the podcast because we have so much going on today regarding um, stress and regarding, as you can see, we've had some recent shootings. We've had a lot of emotional stressors and a lot of post-traumatic stress. And I know, you know, you, with your background, you've helped a lot of people and now you work in a field where you work with a lot of military and it's very important to let the community know and let people know, in our field, myself as a nurse practitioner and, you know, being a nurse and uh, students and people in general, that they're not alone because they deal with mm-hmm. a lot of post-traumatic stress disorder. And what can you say, you know, has been helpful, you know, in your career to help people that are in situations have been able to cope what coping mechanisms you feel? Um, I feel that... Some of the best stuff for myself in dealing is having um, the ability to disconnect, to leave that stuff at work. Um, And that takes practice. That's not something that comes or happens overnight, that ability to leave work at work. And sometimes it's really hard to do that because you might have taken a really bad phone call or just had um, a really terrible time where you had you know, some trauma that you saw firsthand, um, you know, especially in the emergency services, you know, is because you worked in the emergency room, the stuff that came through the door, sometimes it's really, really hard to leave that at work because you just, you replay that in your mind and you kind of, sometimes you're like, well, what could I have done different? For sure. Should I have done this? Should I have done that? Maybe I shouldn't have said this. Right. Um, so understanding that, Having the ability to, um, again, like disconnect, but also having like hobbies and things that bring you joy, um, distractions, good distractions. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, like you had a lot on your plate, you know, being familial, I can understand that. But what would you say can be something that, especially now, I know there are a lot of students that are in school, some that have finished school and some that are actually in the field, mm-hmm. what would you say would be their, their best thing to do that are dealing with um, emotional stressors or familial stressors, financial stressors? What, what helped you? What can you say would be an advice that you can tell students now that are in school that are going through a situation like this? Get really great friends. Yeah. Um, have a really good support group in place Um, don't be afraid to seek help don't be afraid to seek counseling Um, I have been in counseling for years um, dealing with personal issues uh, family issues uh, childhood traumas and that helped me a great deal in recognizing and understand why I was the way I was Um, helping to understand about like trauma um hyper independence um can you explain sorry april to interrupt can you explain what hyper independence is so hyper independence is when we don't trust others to take care of our needs or to help us out when we need help you have this attitude where it's like okay 
I got this. I just got to do it myself. I, I don't trust anybody to help me with any of my situations. Um, it's a really, really self-isolating um, trauma response. It's a very unhealthy coping mechanism that we develop. Um, and that can develop as a result of like childhood trauma where, or abandonment issues where we had people who said that they would be there for us, who were supposed to take care of us, and they weren't. Um, whether they weren't there physically, whether they weren't there emotionally, uh, we had to rely on ourselves. So we developed this coping mechanism in order to survive, in order to make it. Okay. And it's actually not very healthy. People think it's like some type of superhero power. Like, oh, I've got this. I don't need anybody to help me. But it's actually a weakness. Okay. Okay. I, I didn't know what hyper-independence was. So I'm glad that you explained that. Because, yeah. no, it's, you know, it's very it's good for, for people to know. And at the same time, some people have their own struggles and some people, you know, don't deal with a lot of things the way they're supposed to. And, you know, know, everybody has their own issue. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people struggle emotionally. A lot of people struggle physically or even uh, they have their own struggles. But I feel that like, you know, one of the things that you touched on was like having a support group. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you, feel like having a support group in school or having tutoring or having that kind of help help you transition or push through school and help you get through like what you needed to to accomplish yeah most definitely because when I was going through school I was a single mom with three small kids so when you want to talk about hyper independence (laughs) I was the queen of hyper independence (laughs) you know this you know this you know the struggle I went through like asking for help and Um, didn't want to be a burden on nobody yes 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 yes. you know for anybody for you know people listening and you know April and I like I said we are you know very good friends we call ourselves like yaya sisters so I know April for a very very long time and you know she's a very very strong woman who has shown a lot of tenacity and drive um, to the things that she has wanted and she's been very very successful in getting things done and she is the epitome of a woman that's been very strong and she's, you know, career oriented, very professional. And, you know, she's been able to bring forward situations at hand and and speak about, you know, everything that she's dealt with. And right now, you know, be grounded to where she is right now. And that's, you know, I think it's amazing. Um, Obviously, you know, I know that you speak about emotional stressors and you actually spoke about something that I, I found quite interesting. Um, and every anyone that wants to follow um, April, uh, obviously, I'll mention it at the end, but you have a TikTok that's called um, you have uh, what's your TikTok? Um, it's at Ravenstar1980. It's R-A-V-Y-N-S-T-A-R-1980. Okay. And anybody that wants to follow April, I'll, I'll link it, you know, on my podcast. And she actually does like little um, snippets where she speaks, you know, paraphrases and stuff like that. And I find it to be very therapeutic for anybody that goes through anything. And um, you can DM her and stuff like that. It's very, very nice. But she spoke about something that was called um, Task, Trust, Ask. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so the task, trust, ask 
technique or method is one method you can utilize in dealing with hyper independence. Like once you recognize and diagnose yourself, like to self-diagnose that, yes, I am hyper independent. I, I see that manifesting. Um, I'm having this t- type of trauma response. Um, it, it, it's very difficult, very super difficult to ask for help. So what you have to do, and it's easier to do this in baby steps once you recognize this, instead of being like backed into a corner and you have no choice but to now start asking for help. Um, you start off by um, tasking people to do things like people you in your circle, your inner circle, right? People, you know, people you trust, ask them to do little things for you. Like, yeah, you know, you can do it yourself, but this kind of gets you into the, the practice and the habit that, okay. I can task out my needs, uh, stuff that I need to happen or things I need help with to people I trust because they're not going to give me a backlash because, you know, we feel like we're going to be a burden or people really don't want to do stuff for us. So when you start practicing, then you can start tasking. Then you start building that trust with your friends, with the people, and then you can continue to ask. It becomes easier to ask for help. Mm-hmm. And it feels more comfortable. And it's a process. And it's a painful process. Yeah, it makes sense. It does make sense, though. Because you're still self-conscious and you have these insecurities. Like, oh, my gosh. People are going to think I'm a burden. They're going to look at me as needy. And then sometimes, like, we will project on others, right? We will think that since we see neediness, quote-unquote neediness, as a weakness, Mm-hmm. If somebody asks us for help, we might see them as needy and be like, oh my God, you're so needy. And then you'll start avoiding those people and like turning around and running away. So it's a very, very self-isolating um, additional stressor that you yeah. don't need in your life when you got stuff going on in your life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it does make sense though, because I feel like that can be in any field, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. In any field and anybody that can be going through that right now, to be honest, like as a student, as a provider, as in your field, as a, as a, any kind of professional, because you can feel overwhelmed. Yeah. In yep. any case scenario, and you don't know how to approach somebody to ask them for help mm-hmm. because you feel like you're a burden on that person. Right. Whether it's, I, don't understand this literature. I don't understand this work. How do I ask for help? They can think they may be thinking that I don't, I'm stupid. I don't understand. Yeah. I'm ignorant. Yep. And yep. Like, how do I ask for help? Mm-hmm. And or, then the, what we don't realize either is that like, when we ask for people to help, we need to like change up the perspective and the narrative, right? I'm not asking you for help per se, but I am helping you, the person who I'm asking for help, right? I am helping you by giving you the chance to help me, by giving you a chance to grow, by giving you a chance to um, learn something new that you didn't know so that you could help me, to give you a chance to become a leader or show leadership skills. Right. No, that's a good way of looking at it. That's a very good way of looking at it. How you, you, you've now transitioned into a new role. You were a medical assistant and where you were working at and a a busy facility. And now you've transitioned into a role as a HIPAA compliance person. Yep. Yep. I am the the HIPAA privacy officer uh, for the facility that I work at now. 
Okay. And how is it transitioning into a new role? And the reason that I ask you that is because as a, as a professional, we have to transition into roles. And I find that um, questions that I get asked is, how do I transition from being a nurse to a nurse practitioner, which would be the same thing as you transitioning from the department that you worked in into the field that you're in right now, which requires a lot of your time and a lot of care planning and a lot of, you know, speaking to, you know, cadets and a lot. What do you feel is the biggest task for you? Um, The biggest task for me um, is learning my position. So I walked into this position, I didn't have anything left for me. Um, No, like, you know, not a lot of literature, um, reference material. So I have to, I've had to take the personal initiative to go ahead and find trainings, find references, and be able to learn this job as I go. And it's a a big responsibility because HIPAA, uh, the Health and Portability uh, privacy, you know, accountability, act. It, it's, it's a big thing. Um, it's a very serious thing. It's taken very seriously. So I've had to do a lot of self-taught research. Now, luckily, um, my predecessor, even though she doesn't work there anymore, I, she has made herself available to me. So again, it's been another little piece of humble pie where I have to try to reach out and be like, Hey, um, <laughs> got a question here. I got yeah, a fire that just sprung though. out. Right. Because super great. It's like, it's like, oh shit. Like, what do I do now? That person's not here. Yeah. But you have that lifeline, which is amazing. Right. But I try to, you know, I try to be independent. I try to find the answer. I try to be resourceful, but if I can't find anything, I've got, I've got to reach out. So it's like, okay, task trust ask and exactly you know. <laughs> exactly exactly and that's that's a great technique and that's a great form and you know HIPAA like you said is it's very you know you want to be very cognitive of you know situationally obviously you know mm-hmm. and working at a military base is probably like super super almost like Fort Knox you know <laughs> so yeah. what what can you say is it different civilian world military world what can you say for these future and who better than you to give even myself that's you know even I that used to work there but what can you give somebody like me or any practitioner or provider that's listening a piece of advice if you was to give us that uh, nurses that work want to work as VA nurses Mm -hmm. which I'm sure you've heard and practitioners Mm -hmm. that want to work in the VA what piece of advice would you give us that about HIPAA that you know better than you? Um, basically, don't tell people's information to others who don't need to know. You got to keep it confidential. You got to <laughs> keep it between you and your patient, right? Exactly. Don't You don't want to be gossiping about this case you had, dropping names, because you don't know who's going to be overhearing you in the cafeteria. Right. Um, If you see something, say something. If you see people talking or you see patient information, PHI, personal health information out there in the open, say something. Make sure you secure it. Tell you know who your HIPAA privacy officer is so you can let them know that there could be a possibility of a breach of information. And that way your HIPAA privacy officer can conduct an investigation and see if there's a bigger problem that needs to be investigated and dealt with. Yeah. So there's really, yeah, it's, it's great because I think, you know, 
people may think, well, that's, that's, you know, cookie cutter to the civilian world. And yeah, it pretty much is. But at the same time, I think that some people think that it's like, oh, well, you know, you know what I mean? You know what I'm getting at where people think that it's not really a big deal. I will tell you that working with military, right, there is something, there is an exception where a certain PHI can be shared with the command of soldiers who are service members who are seen. So whereas in the civilian world, you're not really, you're not allowed to share any PHI of your patients. But with the military, because you have the service members who belong to the government, um, the chain of command, the commander, a, a person designated by the commander does have a right to know some of their PHI, um, such as what their, the status of their soldier or their service member is. Um, if they're under any type of care or medication that would hinder their ability to perform their duty and to complete the mission. Um, if they're sent for a command-directed behavioral health eval, the commander has a right to know information. So, yeah, there's a little bit of a difference there. Yeah, so there are some contingencies. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, the commander's exception. Yeah, oh, to, so to, that's to the privacy rule. That's a, that's good to know. That's good yeah. to know. So I know that there unfortunately has been a lot of unfortunate scenarios that have been going on with um, schools, um, mm-hmm. with the, you know, heinous crime act that's been committed in Uvalde and we pray for them. Yeah. And there's yeah. been a lot of unfortunate things that have been going on in the health field and healthcare workers and, you know, in Florida and, and um, I think, I'm not sure if it was in California, we've had multiple, multiple things going on. That's been so unfortunate and we pray every day. What mm-hmm. is it that you feel um, not even so much that you feel, how do you prepare as, as a worker that works in the health fields, mm-hmm. how do you feel is the best preparation for yourself or to even as a speaker, because you've been a speaker before I've seen you numerous times. Mm-hmm. How do you feel is the best preparatory way for people in the health field to be cognitive of surroundings or to, you know, pass that on or be supportive mm-hmm. in, in any kind of way? I would say, first of all, make sure you have a really, really good support circle, have, have a good circle around you. Okay. I would say know your surroundings, uh, know your environment, know your, you know, where you work in your office, know your exits, know your important numbers of security, know your policies and procedures on how to deal with different types of incidents, whether it's natural disasters, active shooters, armed subjects, whatnot. So you want to know that. So it's like muscle memory. You know how to respond and how to react. Um, Understand that prevention is key. So you want to make sure that whenever you come into a situation, you do the best to de-escalate that situation and not let it get out of hand where uh, more drastic measures have to be put into place or taken to de-escalate that situation. So prevention, prevention, prevention. And then knowing is half the battle, right? Know your policies, know your procedures, know your surroundings, know who you can trust, know your emergency numbers. Um, I, I feel like yeah, yeah, I, def- I def- yeah, I definitely agree. Like you said, just knowing stuff like that. And in the event of, you know, like, obviously, you know, some situations, you know, are not 
you know, like some situations are inevitable, but mm-hmm. in, in situations that are, like you said, that are, um, mock situations. Cause we used to like, when we work together, we practice a lot of mock, mm-hmm. you know, mock situations for yeah. us. Um, we, we definitely did a lot of mock, um, which is, I think are very great scenarios in workplaces where we do mock and now we're implementing, we're implementing a lot of mock scenarios. So some, some people are, um, cognitive, you know, like just looking out, just looking out, we call it lookout. Yeah. Like a lookout. And, Mm -hmm. um, in regards to like emotional, like, are you having like support emotional groups for people like in place, even in schools for your children? Are there like emotional things that you suggest? Oh, most definitely. You have to have healthcare providers and behavioral health providers in place. Uh, you need to have people who can recognize, um, triggers or they can recognize folks who might not be acting quite right and may present as a problem so that way you can be ahead of the game and not let that get out of control. Um, I think a big skill that's sadly lacking in this country is empathy. Um, I feel that's where we are failing. Um, we're not looking at other people and putting ourselves in their situations or looking at you know things from different perspectives and there's so much like strife because we lack empathy. So if we had more empathy, we'd be able to de-escalate situations. We would be able to prevent situations from happening, taking mental health and behavioral health seriously, having support groups and support systems and, you know, net safety nets in place. That's what it's all about. That's what we need. Yeah. And I think we, you know, as cliche as it sounds, we just need a lot of hope and prayer. Yeah. You know, we yep. need a lot of hope and prayer. And hope and just... prayer and action. And yeah. action. Yeah, we do. And, you know, I, I really hope that, you know, we just stick as a unity, you know? Yep. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And um, like today's podcast, I really wanted to make it about, you know, just bringing out the fact that, you know, you have had a big impact in, um, in the fact alone that you've talked a lot about, you know, I've known your field to be a lot of involvement in human services and, yes. and psychology and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it was very important for me to, to speak to you regarding like your thoughts and, 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 and what you thought about like everything that was going on. And I, I really appreciate that you've touched on a lot of things with the trust ask and the hyper independence. And I think that's great because it incorporates like every field, not just the nursing field, not the mm-hmm. humanities, not just, Anything, anything and everything. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you're working on in, in, um, in speaking and anything that's coming up with you? Um, my goal someday eventually is to start um, a nonprofit uh, for female veterans. Um, looking at, you know, victims of MST, uh, military sexual trauma, um, and starting like support groups, therapy sessions, workshops, retreats. And so right now what I'm going to start doing with my TikToks and whatnot is I want to start touching on those issues and putting out resources and, you know, support for female veterans. And eventually, hopefully someday I'll be able to get my, um, my little operation up and running where I can actually do this stuff and be um, a resource for female veterans. Because it's, it's hard for us female veterans um, sometimes to get help, you know, with the VA. You know, as we, the VA has its own problems to begin with. 
And then when you throw them into the mix, now we have female veterans, right, who have female problems, female, mm-hmm. you know, MFP issues, uh, PTSD issues. Sometimes those resources aren't there. Um, or it's hard for us females to ask for help because we are what? Hyper, what are we? Hyper independent, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. So it's hard for us to reach out and get those resources and help. And I, I want to kind of like bridge that gap and act as a, an outreach to female veterans and connect them with resources and help. I love it. I love it. I love what you plan to do to help females and um, to help be a bridge for this resource. I mean, I think that's an amazing thing. And I've always spoken to you about, you remember these conversations that we used to have and, you know, like I've always spoken oh, to you. So many. <laughs> yeah. I always, I always used to say to you, April, you got to do something to be that speaker. And you're like, I'm not ready yet. <laughs> you remember that? Oh girl. I know. And, I wasn't now, ready. You know, and now, just, yeah. And you know what? And, and, and I hope, my speakers are listening to when I say this woman is the epitome of not having that confidence before to, oh I don't even God. know who she is right now. <laughs> I was so afraid who to speak my you? truth. Who oh. are you? I am. Who April are Barney. you? That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And hear me roar yeah. because I mean, speaking my you, truth. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I think it's amazing. It's amazing. And I, and, and I love it. It's great. But, um, again, you heard it here, guys. She's, she's, she's ready. She's going to be on fire. She's going to be on fire. Right. So, um, right. stay tuned and listen out for her, um, TikTok and stay tuned for her page because that's going to be coming up. April, what is your TikTok again? It's Ravenstar1980. R-A-V is in Victor. Y-N is in November. S-T-A-R, all one word, and then 1980. Perfect. Wonderful. And I'm going to link it in today's podcast. So thank you so much, April, for joining me today. I appreciate it. Thank you for for joining me. I appreciate it. (laughs) Absolutely. And we hope to have you again soon so you can give us an update of what's going on. And we'll link that too. And thank you guys for joining us today. It has been uh, beautiful connecting with you guys. It's been a while, but not forgotten. And I hope you guys have a wonderful day. You can listen to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or um, I always forget the third one. Apple, Spotify, and Anchor. So tune in. Bye-bye. Have a good day.